0: Voices of VR podcast. Hello, my name is Ken Pai, and welcome to the Voices of VR podcast. A podcast that explores the frontiers of immersive storytelling and the future of spatial computing. If you enjoy the podcast, please do consider supporting it at patreon.com slash Voices of VR. So, continuing on my series of looking at some of the different immersive storytelling pieces that were featured at the Tribeca Immersive Film Festival... Today's episode is on Missing Pictures, which is a episodic series, a five-part series that the first two episodes premiered last year at Tribeca Film Festival, and the episodes 3, 4, and 5 were showing at the Tribeca Immersive this year. So this is a really, really interesting piece, just because they're talking to different famous film directors from across USA, Taiwan, South Korea, Japan, and they're trying to get films that are unmade. So these are unmade films, so they're missing pictures. So talking to filmmakers who, for one reason or another, these pet projects that they're never able to actually bring to completion. So over the course of these different episodes, they start to go in and get the story of these different projects and the vision, but then use the medium of virtual reality to actually do a little bit of a spatialized cinematic story pitch for what the story would have been. So it's in some ways, a a story pitch or a treatment or trying to get the essence of a story and, and in its own way, using the medium of VR to be able to tell the story that would be told within film and of course if it was told as a film it would have a completely different vibe but this is just using one medium to reflect on upon another medium so that's what we're coming on today's episode of the voices of VR podcast so this interview with clement and orion happened on friday june 10th 2022 at the tribeca film festival in new york city new york so with that let's go ahead and dive right in so
1: I'm Clement Deneu, I'm a French director of the series Missing Pictures and we are here to show the episodes 3, 4 and 5 to the series so it's like the opening and the premiere of the series, world premiere. We already showed the first two episodes at Rebecca last year so I'm here with uh, Orian Herrard, the producer and we're happy to show the, the full series to the audience.
2: And I'm Auréane Ura. I'm a VR producer at Atlas 5, the French VR company. I've been working there for the past 18 months. And before that, I was already a VR producer, but I have a smaller company on my own. And it's my first time at Tribeca with the physical festival because my previous project has been featured last year, but it was online only edition.
0: Maybe you could each give a bit more context as to your background and your journey into the space of immersive storytelling.
1: Yeah, sorry. So I'm a director. I uh, mostly come from the graphic design storyline. I made a lot of broadcast design, opening titles, uh, things like that. And I slowly uh, moved from uh, graphics to directing. I made some short movie and working on... Music video, um, advertisement, and uh, narratives and documentary. And I made a documentary series about unmanned films called uh, Never Unseen. So it was the same concept, same ideas. And after that, I was working with the same producer than Missing Pictures, Antoine Carroll from Atlas V. And uh, when he created the company, we talked a little bit about some projects on VR, some ideas. And I proposed to him to adapt the concept into VR. So that was the starting point of the full ID. It was five years ago. And from this time, we starting to looking from phones and directors and things like that. And we slowly uh, create the project. So um, yeah, that's my first VR uh, piece. And yeah, that's it. See, feel good.
2: So um, I myself came also from movie and audiovisual fields so I made production studies in France and I started to work for Arte and other production companies like 10 years ago about transmedia it was already about interactive storytelling and how to engage the audience in new innovative projects and writings and then when I discovered VR I think it was at South Bay, Southwest in. 2014 and I saw the project from Felix and Paul and I was immediately amazed by this new medium and this new way of storytelling. So I founded a production company in France and I've been able to produce a few pieces. The first one was I Love the Dead by Benjamin Nuel and it won a Venice VR award in 2018. So it was really, really amazing to premiere in such a large festival like Venice. And it was my first piece as a producer, my first VR piece as well. So it was a very good start. And last year, I decided to join Atlas V as a VR senior producer. And Missing Pictures was my first project at Atlas. It was already, as Clément said, it was already partly funded. The first was already made, the second episode was in the middle of production, so I mostly work on the last three and know for the world distribution of the piece.
0: Yeah, I want to dig into the piece, but before I do, one of the things that I really was struck by in watching the credit sequence of these pieces of how many co-production collaborations you have across in Taiwan and Korea and France and maybe could talk a bit about the cooperation or collaboration of this piece amongst so many different leading-edge producers across many different countries.
2: Indeed, this is the biggest international co-production we ever made. Even at Atlas V, we're used to international co-production, but we have five countries financially and legally involved. So we have France, UK, South Korea, Luxembourg, and Taiwan. And with different international filmmakers involved in the series, we've been able to shoot also in the US and in Japan. So it's two more countries ended with working with, I think, 14 or 15 different studios for volumetric capture, for sound design, and for animation and VR integration. So it had been like a production challenge for my part. (laughs) And also a creative challenge because the three last episodes, even the second one, have been made during pandemic. So some shootings and some production have been totally remote and it was also, let's say, an interesting challenge for Clément as well.
1: Yeah, yeah, but it was really complicated. The communication with a studio from Asia, Taiwan and uh, Korea, so we always have to um, talk with people who were uh, like translators, so all the creative ideas need to be understandable by Mm -hmm. the studio. So um, yeah, it was challenging but uh, interesting too. And yeah, the pandemic it was interesting to shoot volumetric capture, shot remotely from my place to Taiwan or South Korea in the middle of the night. So yeah, uh, <laughs> lots of uh, lost in translation in a way. But we struggled a little bit regarding the pandemic. But it was very, very uh, interesting.
0: Yeah, and also just the number of languages that these pieces are in as well, I think is a reflection of those different co-production efforts of those five different countries. And also, I'd say the creators of the filmmakers that you're featuring seem like they are maybe well-known filmmakers within the context of their own country, maybe could give a bit more context as to... Well, so I guess the overall theme of this piece is prominent filmmakers who have ideas of unmade pictures that you'd mentioned that you did a whole documentary about, but then in some ways, these VR pieces end up trying to capture the essence of the story. So it ends up, what it feels like in some ways is like, this would be like a spatialized story pitch or a story treatment of this is what the story is about in some ways, and that they're able to at least collaborate with you to get parts of the story told. If it's not in the full length of the film, they're at least to get the idea of the story out there And that you're collaborating with these filmmakers who spent years on these projects that were never made. You come along and say, hey, let's make this thing that you've never been able to make, but in this more poetic treatment or a pitch. So, yeah, that's, I guess, how I make sense of it. And the range of styles that you have across each of those pieces, I think, is also interesting to see the experimentation of storytelling techniques of how to encapsulate the essence of a story in a short period but also tell the story. So it seems like you're doing multiple things of documenting these people as individuals, but also trying to give the essence of the story that they're trying to tell. So yeah, I'd love to hear a bit more about your process of finding these different filmmakers and how are you gonna translate their many years of work down into a, a more of a poetic experience within VR.
1: Yes when we did the first season in a way uh, not in VR but in 2D interview we were a little bit frustrated because in fact most of the time the reason why a movie didn't happen it's the same it's because of the money or one actor uh, declined so it was really interesting because the first season was more focused on why the movie didn't happen and we uh, realized at the end of the process that uh, we were a little bit disappointed but uh, we really want to see more about the stories itself more than the making up or things like that, so when we talk about a new uh, season or a new uh, way to show these uh, stories, we really want to focus more on the stories itself more than the behind the scene, so that 's why also we try to create a sense of a story in 10 minutes and also it was a really interesting challenge to use different narrative way or different graphic way to show stories as we wanted to make like a very wide range of panorama of contemporary cinema it was important to us to show different artists with a very very different language, cinematic language so for us the important thing was not to have a similar style for every episode, as we wanted to show the diversity of the cinema. So that's why each episode has its own style. And it's also something I really like to experiment, to have a, like a free style, to be able to adapt or adjust, and to show the story with a proper style. So that was, for me, maybe the most interesting part of the full project, to be able to adjust and to create different style for each episode. We really want a big panorama of contemporary cinema with women, with people from not just European or American Asian cinema because we really think it's one of the most interesting cinema now in Korea or in Japan. So it was part of our goal and yeah it was one of the challenging, most challenging part was to cast the directors because we had a lot of it's a really uh, tricky subject to talk about failure and everything and uh, for the first season it was quite easy to have big names because it was only one hour interview so in terms of commitment it's really easy to say okay I can talk about this topic for one hour and uh, But for this season, we ask them to stay a full day of shooting because volumetric capture is really, really time consuming. You need to spend a full day for 10 minutes of material. We also uh, take them into the creative processes. We ask them some material, script or image or storyboards, anything they have from the pre-production stage of the movie. When we start to work on the episode, we show to the directors concept art. So we asked them some feedback to be sure that the thing we work is good for them because we in a way uh, illustrate their image or their story. So yeah it was uh, to find five directors women who are okay to talk about this project and interested enough with the VR to jump into the project. So um, the 18 months of production we maybe spend uh, one year to find the people. So
2: 18 months of production, and actually the first season I didn't work on it but it was
0: only oh, Just to clarify is the first season you're talking about the 2D film that you made yeah, the, the unmade series. and the second season is the VR piece yeah, so the episodes 1 to 5 right?
1: First or second season it's, it's, yeah, maybe it's a mistake to say that Yeah I just wanted
0: to clarify to
1: It's just the same concept but and I directed both but it's really different it's just the concept was good enough to make a VR piece so
2: let's, say, let's say the first iteration of your concept was only male and mostly French filmmakers. So, American. And American. But it was also, yeah, it was the idea with Arte. When Arte and BBC decided to commission this project, it was uh, supposed to be their first co-commission for this VR piece three years ago. And the idea for them, and it was also for Atlas, really obvious that we couldn't make only US and French director and only male. It was about also about diversity and inclusivity in, in cinema. So it was also why the casting took so long, because just mathematically there is less women involved and especially less women with a big track record in cinema and enough films and enough a big career to have missing pictures because it 's some logic, but young filmmakers don't have missing pictures yet they may have one day, but they still hope they won't. <laughs> so it was also why we were looking for really experienced filmmakers with a diversity of style, also of origins, and we had to find also filmmakers they had been enough confidence and willing to tell this story and this missing story is about like Clément said a failure like a gap in their career so it was the most tricky part and we are very glad to find these five amazing filmmakers they have been very generous also to to play with us to give us some material some time for the volumetric capture and in some episodes they are the volumetric capture it's like they're playing with the characters, like Catherine Hardwick in the Monkey Ranch Gang episode. She's playing with the 3D virtual characters around her, so she was really committed in the making and in the piece. And we have also other filmmakers like Timing Young for episode 2 or... Lim Young-se for episode four, they get very committed for the post productions, for the 3D assets, the choice of backgrounds, colors. They get very precise because their missing pictures is about childhood memories, so they wanted to recreate them correctly. So each filmmaker had his own way to approach our project and to be involved in. Clément did an amazing job to adapt his work to each filmmaker.
0: So maybe you could talk about the process of making this piece, because you're not only looking at the existing script and screenplays, storyboards, all this material to make the film. But then on top of that, you have to tell the story of the creator. And so you do the interview first and then have the volumetric capture and then see how you're able to build out the story or do you need to have the art first to be able to have an idea of what kind of spatial story you tell? seems like it's a chicken and egg problem there, where to start, and you need to do both and maybe iterate a bit. So talk through a little bit of that process of how to get started on a project like this.
1: Once we get a name, in a way, or someone is enough interested into the process, I watched the movie that I didn't see from him or her. And after that, the first really first step is uh, we do an interview sometimes remotely or in face-to-face when it's possible and I spend most of the time one two hours with the director and we talk about the project and what happened and everything it's not even recorded at some point or just only with a repo or some device so it's like main uh, starting point after that I collect everything they have scripts image or anything and I use the interview and all the material they have to write a script where I place some sentences or some words they said to me during the interview as dialogue from them. And after that, we send to them the script and we do a new interview, but properly recorded this time.
0: The fully volumetric capture, right? Or just a 2D interview?
1: Yeah, because we as we will uh, use it as a voiceover, because volumetric capture is really, really expensive technology. So we can have 10 minutes of even expensive money wise, but also in terms of resources for the headset. So most of the time in each episode, we have three minutes of volumetric capture because once you put an asset of Volcap inside the headset, all the lights, everything needs to be uh, shut down. So we had to play with the voiceover, the volumetric capture. So once we make the final interview, and we will use as a voiceover. We do the volumetric capture, but we will know exactly the three minutes. And uh, that's why it was quite challenging, even for the director, because it was not an interview at all. It was really more like acting, more like performance capture. Because, yeah, we need the one minute and it needs to be full take. We can't edit a volumetric capture. So they need to look at the right place and good timing. So that's why we take one day for three minutes of using of material yeah, the process is like that so first interview just to understand the project and to be free to say anything you want and everything and after that i write the script with pictures and the script and everything and we send to them and uh, we discuss a little bit about that and after that we record properly the song for the voiceover and the structure of the episode and i will make like a storyboard with the voice to have a precise idea uh, of the volumetric capture which size what action, everything. So once we do that, we are good for the shooting in World Cup.
0: Yeah, for me, as I watched the pieces, I really appreciated both the style and the stories. For me, I think one of the the stories that stuck out for me, at least the most, was the Monkey Wrench episode with Catherine Hardwick. uh, uh,
2: Actually, I I don't know if you saw their movies, but her first feature was 13, it was, uh, I think, maybe 20 years ago. I saw it when I was a teenager and it really struck me and I think it was one of the first appearance for the actress, Evan Rachel Wood. So it was really a teenager movie but with lots of violence and coming of age, but really interesting. Her second feature was Lords of Dogtown, it was a skateboard movie in Los Angeles downtown. and. After that, she directed the first chapter of Twilight, the big franchise. So it was her first blockbuster movie in Hollywood. And then she made also a couple of films and she's involved in other series now and films. And she were very excited by the idea to be part of Missing Pictures. And she was really generous with her time and her assets and pre-existing material. And... Actually, the development phase for the Monkey Ranch Gang went pretty far because she, at the time, she made a storyboard and she made also a scooting trip for locations or a scooting location. So she made a video about that for the studio, which was supposed to green light the movie back at that time. So we use all that and even the scooting video, uh, we use it in the ending credits. It's a video you can see at the end of the episode. So. It was really interesting to make this episode, but maybe, Clement, you can dive in a little bit more about the process.
1: It's maybe one of the most interesting episodes because The Monkey Range Gang, it's a really famous book from the 70s. Ed Pressman is a producer who owns the rights and he tried to make a movie about this book since the 70s. So it's, like, it's one of the very, very famous unmade projects that he tried for 50 years now, and he's still trying now. I know the book quite well since I was teenage, when I read the book. So I was quite excited when, when we asked Catherine uh, which project it goes. Most directors, have, sometimes they come to us with two or three ideas. There is this project or this project. And we discuss with them which one maybe is the most VR-compatible, where we'll have uh, most of uh, ideas and a uh, visual opportunity. So when she talked about this one, I was, oh yeah, I already know the script, so let's do this. So it was really great to work on this project. It was really the best definition of missing picture because it was a project Robert Ford tried to make, or. Uh, Denis Hopper, a lot of people since 50 years. So it's one iteration of failure for this project, but this one was really interesting on this side of the project.
2: Actually, the reason why the missing pictures didn't get made, it was not a budget reason or availability reason, but it was more a political reason about eco-terrorism, because the studio gets afraid. It's what Catherine Hardwick said to us, so we didn't check this information but she really convinced that the reason that her movie didn't get made at the end is because of the political issue about eco-terrorism that can be tricky at the time and it, I think still be a tricky issue now. So it was really interesting because she tried to do it way before Night Moves, the film by Kelly Richard which is about the same theme. So I think it would be maybe easier to do the movie now but 20 years ago, it was still an issue. And it's also a theme that resonates today with our current issues and ecological clima- climate chang- changing. So, yeah, I think it's an episode that summarizes yeah, the core concept of the World Series.
0: Yeah, I think because it was one of those pieces that goes beyond just the budgetary reasons that there's other political reasons, I think that's an interesting subtext to look at these projects that didn't get made and some of the reasons why they maybe didn't get made. And just the way that that episode starts with Catherine Hardwick sitting at the campfire with the characters and you get introduced to each of those characters. Like it felt like I was sitting around the campfire with her and that she was really going full into the pitch and like she's telling you the story. And so you're aware of her as an entity. And I think other pieces almost erase the presence of the protagonist of the volumetric capture and it's more about taking you into this other world like the one that I think about with the overweight teenager I wondered the reasons why a piece like that didn't get made like the fat phobia type of issues around the culture but I'm curious to hear your reflections on that because it felt like that was another piece where you created different cinematics that gave me a sense of that story hitting each of those different beats but in a different animation style, but also trying to tell the overarching story that has some interesting twists and turns I wasn't expecting as I was watching it.
1: You were talking about the first scene of uh, Hardwick. In fact, we did these two episodes at the end. It was really, really the last episode we, in fact, the Hardwick was the last one we worked on. So. Uh, I also improve in terms of working with the volumetric capture because the first time it's a very, very uh, recent technology. So it's really, really limited at some point. And uh, for example, the, one of the tricky parts we discovered when we do the first episode, it's in fact the volumetric capture can't really look the audience in the eyes because it depends on where you are. So we had to find some way to create the illusion that the director looked you. And the interactivity between uh, Volcap and CGI model was something we didn't think it was possible at the beginning of the project. And episode after episode, said, hey, maybe she can take something. And uh, so, um, yeah, it was something very challenging for the last episode with Hardik because she also, uh, she burned the matches. And she, so we trying to use a little bit more the interactivity between uh, volumetric capture and the environment. And yeah, I think it's the right way to work with this technology. Qu'est-ce qu'on voit d'autre?
2: And, regarding, uh, and regarding the Odebu Kawase episode, it was also interesting because it's very different, and even the pace of the piece. I think it's the longest episode; it's almost 14 minutes. But the piece is also really quiet, and the tone is also even. The sound design is lower than other episodes. It's not a mistake of sound design. It's assumed because Naomi Kawase. Uh, filmmaking, and her previous movies are really about nature, about relationships, and it's mostly intimate dramas. She made intimate drama, movies, and her missing picture, so her debut, was her own attempt to go in a different genre of cinema. She wanted to make a comedy, and she didn't make it because she changed her mind. So it's also interesting because the reason why the film didn't get made, it's not an external reason like financiers or studios or actors changing their mind. It's really an intimate reason, an internal reason coming from her directly. She wrote a script, she co-wrote a script with a Japanese writer, and then she decided that she was not ready for this movie yet and maybe one day she said that she didn't totally abandon this idea to make this film one day but she wasn't ready at this time so it's also for me a very overwhelming reason not to make a film and it's really interesting to add this kind of episode also in a series like Missing Pictures.
0: Yeah, the big thing I'm taking away from this entire series now I've seen all the episodes is that it feels like a opportunity or a platform to experiment in different forms of storytelling because you're summarizing an entire story, but you're allowing the creator to kind of almost come in and narrate other aspects of the story and that you're able to give a pitch of the story or treatment. And so I'd love to hear any thoughts or reflections about what the spatial medium of VR is giving you in terms of telling a story that maybe is not available when you tell stories in the 2D medium? Like now that you've done the first season in 2D and then the second season in the fully spatialized VR, like what new affordances do you get from the VR that you couldn't do within the 2D film?
1: In fact, the, one of the frustrated thing on the first iteration is we wanted to show image from the unmade films. And at some point, we figure that it's not making a movie in, instead of a director. So the idea is to talk about cinema through the specificity of another medium. We think it's interesting to make a documentary about a medium with another one, because we didn't make the movie, Abel Ferrara, a movie um, without him. So that's one of the interesting parts of the project is also to talk about art form with another art form. And for the VR, I think it's really, really interesting uh, as a medium with just one element, one sequence, something really short. You can give a lot of feeling or a sense of a bigger scale. So as we will have only 10 minutes to talk about the full stories as a summary or something really short. One of the origin of the project was Der Angelica. When I saw it, it was one of the first VR piece I saw. And I thought it really, really incredible. And also because in Gerangelica, uh, there is the story of a young teenager who remembers her mother. She's an actress and she remembers some scene of movie where she was an uh, actor. And so you have inside of this art piece some uh, image of movies, but in VR. And when I saw that, I said, hey, oh, yeah, you can in fact have a feeling of a movie with just one scene in VR because also the use of the scale and the fact that you can have in very, very short time something really gigantic and something just after something really, really minuscule. So you can easily go very, very far and something huge like a blockbuster and just after in the same scene talk about something very, very intimate. So this specificity of VR to be able to are going a very, very different scale, very fast visually, but also emotionally. I think it's really, really good to tell a story in a very, very short time, because you're able to use a lot of different scale of elements in the same, almost in the same sentence. That's why, for example, in the Chai Ming Yang episode, he talk about the moment where he's taken from his um, grandparents and he was really devastated by this. So we just showed a, a huge hand of his father, taking him from the... So it's almost like a metaphor, it's just a really huge hand taking him from the... So you are able in here to do something like that, without editing. It's really efficient in a way, to be very um, strong emotion, very simple emotion. And also because it's a series about imagination, a, a dream, So you are, in a way, uh, dive into a world of a director. It's like you are in, in his brain. So at multiple layer, it was making sense. It's making sense to make this series in this medium.
0: Yeah, I like that using one medium to document another medium because I'm doing a podcast to document VR so I can understand that but also I've seen a lot of pieces just in terms of documentary generally as a form to explore the potentials of the medium storytelling wise and then eventually move into the more narrative pieces so I feel like this piece in some ways is blending those two genres of the documentary aspect but also telling the story elements and so it's an interesting fusion in that way but love to hear if you have any other reflections on storytelling and insights you get from working on this piece and what VR affordances are.
2: Yeah, at Atlas Five. we focus from the beginning of the company on narrative VR, narrative either documentary or fiction-based. And I think a project like Missing Picture was a perfect combination of what's storytelling in VR with a documentary based material, but with dream-like sequences. Like Clement said, we can't recreate movie that doesn't exist so it was not about recreating some real images it was more about a dive into each filmmaker's mind and trying to as you say get a glimpse of what 90 minutes feature film could have been if it hadn't been made and yeah at at last five we we care a lot about finding the right way to telling this specific story and VR or AR also, because we are making some augmented reality project in this moment, so each story has a way to find his own medium and the relationship between medium and stories and the way to tell it, it's really, really important for us. And now, I think in the past five years, we made maybe a dozen or maybe 20 uh, VR pieces and narrative based pieces and now we are trying to do more interactive and to add more interactivity in narrative and it's a really interesting challenge because in some projects when you had more and more interactivity it's often in this balance we can say of narration because the more power you give to the user the less space you give to narrative and to the creator. So it's always an interesting balance to make. And we're also developing some VR games. And gaming is a whole other challenge regarding story and user experience. So it's really something we care about at Atlas. And we really want to continue to make some impact or meaningful documentaries and storytelling in VR.
0: Awesome. And, uh, and finally, what do you each think is the ultimate potential of virtual reality and immersive storytelling and what it might be able to enable?
1: I think it's really uh, the interesting part to work and create things in VR. Uh, it's so recent that it's almost like being there at the uh, invention of cinema. So all the language. The IDs, the format, everything is new, so it's really interesting to work on this medium now because everything changed also because the technology is really, really moving fast. So you always need to adapt, adjust, and when you see someone did, it's really, really interesting, ID. Uh, so it's really um, something organic now. And it's also, um, I think, one of the problems of the VR is that all the audience, it's really hard to know. Um, When you have a page of a store, is it a movie, look, is it a documentary, series, there is no clear format yet, so everything is almost like a jungle now, still, so it's really interesting to be there at this moment and to think about what, for example, at the beginning, Missing Picture was always a documentary, but what is a documentary in VR? In fact, a lot of Atlas 5 piece, like spheres, it's almost a documentary about space, so yeah, everything is more organic or more blur. The age of is it narrative piece or is it documentary? So yeah, it's interesting, for sure. But I don't know if I have a vision of what because it's so technology-related. For example, we start the first episode of *Missing Picture* for the Oculus with Link, the Rift. So it was the style and everything was really, really uh, more details, more light, everything. And after the Oculus 2 came out, and, uh, it was really more um, easy to find people who have Oculus. So we had to change the spec and the size of the project and everything. So it's really a medium linked to a technology market and new technology. So it's still in process. Everything is still in process, in progress. So it's really, really passionate. Um, it's really interesting to be there, to think about the future of the, of the VR Even It's really hard to know what will be the next step in one week. <laughs>
2: yeah, we definitely want to continue to explore this medium. And when I think about what could be my next project in VR, I try to always think about me as a user, as a VR enthusiast and a VR uh, user. And I try, I think when I pick the project I produce because it, will I know it will take maybe two or three years of my life so I try to pick them carefully and when I do I think I try to feel the the amazement, the wonderful feeling I felt for the first time I was in VR and I discovered some amazing pieces that we had a few years ago like Nuts on Blindness or Patrick Watson movie. It was a 360 but it was awesome in a way it was amazing towards them from Felix and Paul's uh, Canadian studio. So, yeah, I try to find the way of um, a maze I had as a user and I pick the stories where I I think we could find this feeling again. So it's not about technology, you know, it's my way of working in VR is not finding absolutely the most technology advanced. Each technology has to fit with the story and with the creator we, we want to work with. So in case of Missing Picture, it was the volumetric capture was a really, I think, good choice to capture the presence of each filmmaker and to integrate the filmmaker in their missing pictures in the dream-like vr documentary kind of way but for other projects it can be traditional animation or very simple stylistic way or more realistic way it really uh, depends of the story and the creator so i'm not sure i answer to your question but (laughs) it's um but it's a really interesting one because it's what striking me and why Keeping me in my day to day work, actually. What could be fit in VR and what could not? And if it's not right to VR, why? So maybe we can change that, or maybe we can change the medium. So it's always story based, I say.
0: Awesome. Is there anything else that's left unsaid that you'd like to say to the wider immersive community?
2: Yeah, um, so we will be as a bunch of other festivals in the next few months in Asia and hopefully in Europe. And I think Arte will publish the series at fall, so hopefully in October. And we will be on the App Lab and I'm mostly um, 100% sure that we'll be also on Steam and Viveport and we have 360 version of each piece that will be on YouTube and different broadcasters all over the world, like Basing Pictures and International Co-Production, with a lot of broadcasters involved, so we want to make sure that every co-production countries will have a way to reach the episodes and to enjoy the rest of the series, and we also want to be showcasing LBE installation with a focus on, of course, film museums, film festivals like Tribeca or just film art house and everything can be related to film. I think it will be the right fit to showcase the LB installation.
0: Any other final thoughts?:: yeah.
1: Because the, I think it's important. One of the goals of the project also was, because it's talking about cinema, but using VR. So it was also a way to take people who are movie fan or movie lover in VR. and also for VR, people who are a lot of uh, VR uh, fanatics are more video games, passion. So to talk about dependent cinema to people who are um, more um, interesting in video games. It was also like a bridge between two worlds that it was important for us. For example, we think about showing the series inside a movie theater where you can actually see some movies from the directors. So to create for real this bridge between VR and cinema through the series and also with real films, I think we will be glad to do
0: Awesome. Well, congratulations on finishing the series. I was able to watch the first couple of episodes during the pandemic while all the virtual conferences were happening, and so I was able to watch the first couple of episodes virtually, and then it's nice to see them all together here, the, all five of the episodes. And uh, So yeah, quite an epic effort, so congratulations on finishing it, and thanks for joining me here on the podcast to be able to help unpack it all. So thank you.
1: Thanks. Sorry for uh, our English. <laughs> thank
2: you. <laughs>
0: So that was Clement Denou, he's a French director of the series Missing Pictures, as well as Oren Horar, a VR producer at Atlas V, which is a French VR company, and she previously worked as a VR producer. So, a number of different takeaways about this interview is that, first of all, so at the Tribeca Film Festival, I was recommending people try to see this piece because i think in terms of the diversity of experimentation and the different structures and forms of how to tell a story within vr lots of different styles and techniques and blending and blurring of volumetric capture with other aspects of cgi and then using animation so just a lot of interesting experimentations and ways of getting you a sense of a vibe it's like a story pitch using the medium of vr to kind of reflect upon other mediums and so yeah, just a really provocative idea and the different people that they're featuring and their stories and why they didn't get made. A lot of times it's money, but other times it's just for some other political reasons, like Catherine Hardwick piece of the Monkey Wrench story. Yeah, so the other thing is that this was a vast collaboration across many different different XR and immersive producers, just worth looking at some of the co-producers of this project because lots of different important entities that are out there trying to push forward the structures and forms of immersive storytelling across all these different regions from USA, Taiwan, South Korea, Japan, and UK, Luxembourg. So yeah, lots of different collaborators on this as a production piece. And yeah, it's an episodic series, so there's probably going to be a lot of ways that this is going to be distributed across many different regions, I'll probably end up on YouTube at some point. It's more of a cinematic 360 video depiction of all of these. There is a VR native app that I saw, but I think this is a piece that would probably work pretty well, translated into 360 video, and also just has lots of different languages as well, as it's this vast international co-production across all these different countries.